So have you heard the news? Scientists have discovered a new organ in our bodies. Seriously. No April fooling this morning. This from an article by National Geographic. There are other news organizations that were carrying this too. Lurking just under your skin might be a new organ only now identified for the first time, say a team of scientists. In a new study published in the journal Scientific Reports, researchers from New York University School of Medicine say they have found a new organ they're calling the interstitium. I'm not even sure if that's how you pronounce it. The term is so new that my Microsoft Word underlines it in red. It's nearly everywhere, the article says, just below the skin surface surrounding arteries and veins, casing the fibrous tissue between muscles, and lining our digestive tracts, lungs, and urinary systems. It looks like a mesh. The interstitium is a layer of fluid-filled compartments strung together in a web of collagen and a flexible protein called elastin. Previously, scientists thought the layer was simply dense connective tissue. The organ has seemingly been hidden in plain sight. And scientists say they missed it because of the way the tissue is studied. A quote from one of the scientists who conducted the study, he said, Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Kind of like, Hey, this has been right before our eyes the whole time and we didn't even notice it. But how can that be? I mean, the human body has been studied for years. But as a scientist said, once you see it, you can't unsee it. You've probably seen the optical illusion of the word Jesus, such as the one printed in your bullets. And I first saw this when it was on a block of wood, and it's kind of hard to, to uh, see the word Jesus, but it's one of those illusions that once you've seen it, once again, you cannot unsee it. Can the same be said for the risen Christ? Once you see him, would it be appropriate to say at that point you cannot unsee him? Well, that just might be the case. As I've done so many times over the years, I draw heavily this morning from my hero, William Willimon. So I draw from some of his writings and sermons in preaching this sermon as well. As a reminder, Willimon is the professor of the practice of Christian ministry at Duke Divinity School. Today we celebrate a great victory. God has raised the crucified Jesus from the tomb. That's a great message. But when thinking about it, the message of Easter is even greater than that. It's even more than the words that we sing, Christ the Lord is risen today. You see, the story of Easter is probably best described in our familiar Easter Sunday reading today from John. We have Mary Magdalene going to the tomb early on that first Easter morning. 
she comes upon a man there whom she suspects to be the gardener. But then the man calls her by name Mary. And she sees the Lord raised before her. Now a question that typically comes to mind at this point is why didn't Mary initially recognize Jesus? And you know, it's a really good question. It's a fair question. I mean, she had followed along with him throughout his public ministry. He was not only a teacher to her, but he was also a close friend. So why didn't she recognize him? Well, think about it. It's certainly not likely that Mary expected to see a dead Jesus standing before her, even though he was there right before her eyes. But there's possibly a greater reason that Mary didn't expect to see the risen Jesus. Willimon speculates that Mary didn't expect to see Jesus because she didn't expect the risen Jesus to return to her. Because you see, Easter stories are not about seeing a once dead body rising from the tomb. Nobody saw that. Easter stories are all about appearances. Jesus Christ appearing to the very people who betrayed and deserted and abandoned him in his crucifixion. In Luke's version of this story, some women were going to the tomb early that morning and they encountered these two men who we take to be angels and they say, Why are you looking for him here? He's risen. He's probably to Galilee by now. You just missed him. And I quote Willimon here, who can only say things the way Willimon does. He writes, to Galilee? Why Galilee? I mean, Galilee is kind of a forlorn, outback kind of place. Wouldn't you think that on that first morning when Jesus rises from the dead that he might make a visit to somewhere really important? Say, the palace in Jerusalem and show up before an astounded, terrified Pontius Pilate and say, uh, Pontius Pilate, you made a big mistake. Payback time. Or maybe he would go up to the great imperial Roman palace there in Rome and show himself before Caesar and say, uh, Caesar, um, you lost. But no, all the Gospels say that the risen Jesus returned first to his disciples, not to anybody important or powerful, no, his disciples. In other words, he showed up to anyone who dared to follow him. And so we see the great Easter truth. He is risen, which would have been in and of itself enough. But rather, the great truth is the risen Christ came back for us. For sinners like us. Folks, I've been preaching most weeks at this church for some 13 years now. And I've said many things from behind this pulpit. But there is no greater word I can give you than this. Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and that's a victory, yes. 
But even more victorious and more miraculous is that he came back from the dead for you. And that he came back for you and for me was not a one-time thing. Jesus keeps showing up today, revealing himself to people who don't deserve him. And in Willimon's words, sending them on some outrageous errands. And, he says, that would be you. And in fact, we could probably say that's why you're here right now. That in some way or another, Jesus showed up to you. Willimon says it this way. He writes in one of Paul's letters when he's beating up on a squabbling early congregation, they say, hey, Paul, what gives you the right to tell us how we should be church, how we should do church? Paul says the risen Christ appeared first to the twelve, and then he appeared to a larger group, and then, as one untimely born, he showed up also to me. That's the basis of Paul's authority. That's the basis of your authority as a Christian. The risen Christ has shown up to you. So why are you here singing these songs, praying these prayers, affirming this faith? Well, in some way or another, God Almighty decided not to be God ruling in heaven without you. In some way or another, the risen Christ came back for you. Just like he came back and showed up to his early followers. Jesus didn't just rise from the dead. He rose from the dead for you and for me, no matter who we are. Maybe you're young or maybe you're old. Maybe you're highly educated or maybe educated or maybe you're not. Maybe you're mad at the world or maybe you're happy as a clown. Maybe you've been a believer for a very long time or maybe you don't believe at all. Maybe you have an outgoing pleasant personality and people like being around you. Or maybe you're a pain and people try to avoid you. Maybe you're healthy, or maybe you're sick. Maybe you're a well-adjusted person, or maybe you have some serious personal issues. Maybe you're red, yellow, black, or white. Maybe you're to the right politically, or maybe you're to the left, or maybe you're right down the middle. Maybe you're blue-collar or white-collar, or maybe you're retired. Maybe you're married or maybe you're single. Maybe you have money or maybe you don't. Maybe you are a compassionate person who cares deeply about others or maybe you really could not care less about anybody else. What a great thing we celebrate today that Jesus rose from the dead, but what is just as stunning, just as amazing, just as miraculous is that Jesus came back for you no matter who you are. And that truth hits all of us in different ways.
back to Willimon, he writes, For some of you, the idea that a crucified Jew could die, lay in the tomb for three days, and then be back alive and among us, is what you have always believed. Sure, I believed in the truth of resurrection since I was a child, you may say. Others of you may see all these flowers and hear the joyful Easter music or listen to my sermon and in the end say, I'm just not sure. I don't really believe that I believe. Some of you may come to this joyful morning full of happiness. Easter Sunday is your favorite Sunday of the year. You've been rehearsing the music or looking forward to this Sunday with great anticipation for a long time. Others of you may be in gloom rather than in light. You've just lost someone you love. Things are not going well for you at work. and Therefore, there may be part of you that finds all this joy and triumphant gladness to be somewhat oppressive. Well, guess what? You may not be too different from Jesus' early followers. When Mary Magdalene saw the empty tomb, she didn't jump to the assumption of resurrection. In fact, the whole idea of resurrection was inconceivable to her. Instead, Mary ran to tell Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, the only disciple who stayed with Jesus throughout the crucifixion. Whatever her explanation, the other disciple looked into the tomb but didn't enter. Peter likely out of breath, reached the tomb and went inside. Why does John include so many details about the grave clothes and their positions? Peter saw all these details but comes to no immediate conclusions. However, when the other disciple went in, he saw and believed, we read in Scripture. Then both disciples returned home. But there's no indication that they ran back home to tell anybody. Maybe though one of them saw and believed, and the other saw but didn't know what to believe, neither of them were ready to go public with any declaration about what just happened to the body of Jesus. So, they just go home. And in Mary's case, seeing is not believing. Even with Jesus right before her eyes, she doesn't see and she doesn't believe. It's only when Jesus individually speaks her very own name that Mary sees and believes. The risen Christ doesn't say to Mary, Now, do you believe in the resurrection of the body, the life everlasting? No. Jesus simply calls her by name, Mary. And now she sees and she believes. Willimon writes, Jesus relates to Mary on a first name basis, not simply on the basis of institutional membership in a religious organization, or by raising her right hand and swearing to believe. She believes when Jesus personally, intimately addresses her by name. Mary Magdalene left and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. Then she told them what he said to her. 
the risen Christ's personal word to Mary could not stay private. She believes, then she runs to tell her friends what she sees, what she believes. Mary becomes one of the church's first preachers. With such good news, Mary must tell somebody the incredible experience she has just had. So for Easter, we've got a story of three disciples. One sees the grave clothes neatly folded and believes. One sees the same thing but doesn't seem to believe. Another sees but doesn't believe until hearing her name called. And so this morning I ask you, where are you in this story of the first Easter? I expect that each of us identifies with at least one of these three disciples. Maybe some of you identify with all three. Here you are coming to the church's celebration of Easter. For some of you, it's quite enough for you to come to church, see the flowers, and sing the songs, and you steadfastly, firmly believe He is risen. Others of you come to church, see the flowers, sing the songs, hear the sermon, but come away saying, you know, I just can't say for sure. I just don't know what to believe. Still others of you see all the evidence, hear the complete testimony and scripture's rationale for believing, but you are waiting. For you, what we might call resurrection faith, is waiting for your name to be called Mary or John. How have you come here this Easter morning? What path has brought you here? What race did you run to the empty tomb? We all come from different places and different understandings. Some of you might be very sure and some not so sure. Back to Willimon, he writes, It doesn't matter how you've come here. What's important is the promise implied behind today's Easter gospel. The risen Christ is not here, not entombed in a dead ancient past. He is risen. He's on the move, moving towards you, eager for you to see and in seeing to believe wanting to give you what you need in order to believe, calling your very own name. I don't care how you come to Easter. Christ's promise is that you won't go away the same. Even amid your questions, doubts, or reservations, Christ will give you the faith to be able to say to the world in one way or another, I have seen the Lord. Willimon ends one of his sermons this way. He writes, Sometimes we get this wrong. Listen to how we sometimes describe our Christian lives. Since I gave my life to Christ, since I took Jesus into my heart, since I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior, I, 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 but he writes, no, that's not the way Scripture tells it. You don't take the risen Christ anywhere. He takes you places. 
The astounding thing is not so much that you've made a decision for Christ, but the astounding thing is that we learned at Easter that God Almighty had made a decision for us. He came back to us. And Christ keeps coming to those of us who've got absolutely no way to come to Him. Easter keeps happening. The God who raised, crucified Jesus from the dead refuses to be God without you. He keeps showing up. As one of the early fathers of the church said, I think that even if we had not sinned, God would have still come for us. And so you see, God has already made the decision for you. Maybe you as a believer for many years or decades need to be reminded of that again today. Or maybe you really don't know what to believe. Maybe you want to believe, but you're like Mary. And even though the risen Jesus is right before your eyes, you won't see him clearly. Until he calls your name. It's funny how these illusions work. Back to this illusion with the word Jesus. If I peel off the word Jesus and take some of the background away from it, we're able to see the name Jesus much more clearly than with all that clutter around it. But once you see him, you cannot unsee Him. Once we experience Jesus, we are not able to unsee Him. I repeat Willimon's words, I don't care how you come to Easter. Christ's promise is that you won't go away the same. Even amid your questions, doubts, or reservations, Christ will give you the faith to be able to say to the world in one way or another, I, have seen the Lord. Remember, God has already made a decision for you. He came back to you and to me. And it may be that He is right before our eyes.